It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. today, Demetrius. That, that's a pretty common name. Still here today. Um, so Gaius was a worker within the Assemblies of Christ, probably in various places, but at least in, in one particular place here. Um, and this epistle is concerning the work that he is doing uh, in the way of evangelism and the fact that he was a great help the work of the, of the church uh, even though there were some that were trying to hinder his work also some were trying to hinder the apostles uh, teaching and the workers that they sent out um, there was many teachings concerning walking in truth and that sort of thing um, but the apostle John makes another comment here about the idea of 
reports from Christian people in different places brings a great joy to me. And that's something I think that's important. Now, three things about being written. From who? The elders. We think it's the Apostle John. The early church doesn't said. And uh, it, it appears very very, uh, very close to that. The style is certainly there. He's known as, he calls himself the elder. Uh, in these days being uh, the year of, in the 60s A.D., he would have been an older man for that period of time at least. From where? Probably from Ephesus uh, before he was arrested and put on the Isle of just before. Um, I don't believe this is a prison, anything he wrote while he was in exile, because he seems to have some control of his traveling here and his uh, plans of being here and other places. So uh, I don't believe it was in uh, Patmos at that time. And I believe that came a little later. And then he was probably released at the death of Nero, which was in 68. So this could have been later on, um, or uh, earlier, this letter was written earlier than his uh, writing of Revelation, I believe, for sure. So, concerning this this uh, Gael, here, uh, as we start reading in verse 1, 1 through 8, let's just read 1 through 8. Um, I'm reading from the RSV here, which is... Uh, kind of like the way it was laid out. fit with my outline. So, <clears throat> The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. I don't believe the word the is, is in the original. Love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in health. I know that it is well with your soul. For I greatly rejoiced when some of the brethren arrived and testified to the truth of your life. And indeed, you do follow the truth. No greater joy can I have than this, to hear that my children follow the truth. Beloved, it is a loyal thing to do when you render any service to the brethren especially to strangers who have testified to your love before the congregation. You will do well to send them on their journey as befits God's servants. For they have set out for this sake and have accepted nothing from the heathen. So we ought not, or we ought to support such men that we may be fellow workers in the truth. Now this is a comment he's saying to Gaius concerning the things that he's doing. Um, in truth, it's not in the truth. It's strange that when they actually add the definite article when it shouldn't be there. But oh, That's translation for you. But in truth, in other words, what's that mean? As the truth being as spoken through the apostle. 
the truth that Gaius was involved in was the message he heard from the apostles about Jesus. And, uh, and that's what we consider in being in truth. Spoken through the apostles unto the will and purpose of Jesus Christ, their Lord. And not only that, but he believed the message. Okay? Hearing is one thing. Believing is what follows. And verse 2, the physical things, John was expressing an idea that he, he hoped the physical things as his health and and, and such, um, his needs were met. He he hoped that they were uh, in as good a condition, really, as the spiritual condition of this man. Now, I found out when I was studying this, I found out that this verse is one verse that the uh, top uh, uh, prosperity preachers, the, the prosperity preachers, whatever that is, those that are constantly talking about if you send $10, you'll get back 100 and things of that sort. Uh, but they use this verse as, as a proof text for if, if you are doing well spiritually, God will bless you in everything, whatever, that you may need, which um, most people take as prosperity. But, you know, the things that really concern us most times is our health. You know, if we get sick, um, you know, it's like a, a friend of mine said, Ben Alexander. He said, we go to church Sunday night and we sing, uh, I'll fly away and all of these things. But when we get sick, all of a sudden we don't feel that homesick. So we're always concerned about our health, aren't we? We want to be able to get up and do do things and, and live our lives and things. And what he's saying is, he's saying, he's, he's praying. He says, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, that you may be in health. Okay? That you'll be well fed and rested and be healthy. And he knows, he hopes that this, is, that this man's physical things who are in good a shape as his spiritual things. But it's not an apostolic promise or formula for prosperity. That's what I'm trying to say. If that's the way it's being taught, it would be it would be going beyond what scripture is saying. I think most Christians want their brethren to be to have the things they need to be well. But, you know, these, these, uh, these bodies wear out and they get, they, uh, they're not as good as they used to be when they were younger and all of this. Verse 3, Gaius was in agreement with the truth of God's word, which would have been the apostolic message in, of course, the Old Testament and was living and working in accordance with that, that word. And it was, being, it was clearly seen by people, and it was testified to, by or witnessed even, to the apostle about this man. And, and, what, and what did that mean? Well, it meant, made the apostle,
people feel very good. Um, now, why not use the word faith here uh, instead of uh, the word truth all through this passage? Um, someone had a question like that. Why use the word faith? Well, I'll, I'll tell you why. If we go to Romans chapter 10, um, Romans 10, 7. All right. The apostle says, um, Their sound went out into all the earth, and their words unto the ends of the world. Okay. And it continues on. Um, Yeah, 17, that, that was 19. Verse 17 in chapter 10. So faith cometh of hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. And it is the word Christ there instead of God, but nonetheless we're speaking about the gospel here, you see. So why not use the word faith instead of uh, truth? Well... Because faith comes through hearing of the word of God. And God's word is truth. Jesus said that in, in uh, John 17, the Gospel of John, chapter 17. Your word is truth. He prays to his Father. So you see why that, that idea of truth, it, it, it's not a word that has any less meaning. Uh, it, it isn't secondary to faith. Because you see, our faith, our faith comes through the hearing of God's truth. So this isn't out of order. It's not uh, less than or some of the other things that's been said. It's right on. The faith is grounded in. And the substance of faith uh, uh, towards God is because of the truth of God's word. And the beauty of it, it can be our truth. It can be the truth that we speak forward if we, if we will allow that to happen. And greater joy, the apostle says, have I none than this, but to hear of my children walking in truth. And this is, this is the real thing as far as I'm concerned. Um, and uh, it's nice to experience that. I like the, the term beloved. Beloved, yes, thou doest a faithful work. So that's another uh, wonderful thought, wonderful thing to hear. Gaius was helping the traveling evangelists that had been sent by the apostles. He was helping those people. He was refreshing them. What's that mean, to help them? When they come down that dusty road, you take them in, you get them something to drink, you take care of their needs, you let them rest, you let them speak in the assembly when it comes together. You see, that was the work 
that the church should have been doing. That was the work the leadership should have been doing, constantly doing. But you see, there seemed to be some opposition uh, in this time. There seemed to be, and we're going to read about that in just a minute. There was opposition to the to the message. There was opposition to the workers and those spreading the message of Christ, the good news. To the spreading of all the oracles of God. You know, it's not enough to just teach some of God's word. We need to teach all of it. We always need to remember that no matter what subject it is, we're not done until we've heard all there is to say on the subject. Now, time isn't permitting to say all there is to say on most subjects. So you got to either come back or spend more time or whatever it is. But don't say I'm done, because you're not done. And the older you get, as I've discovered, the more you realize you, don't, you didn't get it all done yet on this subject. Now, now the second point, the trouble with uh, Dreyfus, Dreyfus, whatever his name is. Well, I think they're numerous. His, na- his troubles are numerous. His name is, is something else, too. But um, the troubles he has more, are more concerning to me than the pronunciation of his name. Now, what's it say in verse 9 through 11? John's, John's got something to say here. He says, I have written something to the congregation. Now, we don't know what that was, but he, he wrote something to them um, <clears throat> and mentioned this man. But Diotrephius, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge my authority. So, if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, prating against me with evil words, and not content with that, he refuses himself to welcome the brethren and also stops those who want to welcome them and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. He who does good is of God. He who does evil has not seen God. You know, that's pretty simple talk, isn't it? I think he probably means just what he says here. I think we need to uh, uh, understand that. Okay, unto the assembly, he says, I wrote something. Well, obviously, he wasn't happy with what's going on, all right? Uh, uh, Diatrippius wants the first place, he says. Now, according to the New Testament, the first place is ours reserved for the Lord himself. Okay, even when it's just the congregation group, the Lord still has the first place, no matter who's got the loudest voice or whatever. The first place is reserved for Christ. By the way, Christ is the only authoritarian figure in the church at all. There are none others. He has all authority. And also, Diotrephus here, the phrase is, receives us not. By the way, receives is in the middle voice. 
In other words, this is all his doing. Okay? This is all his doing. He receives us, first person plural, guess who that is? He receives all his doing. He receives not the apostles, not the apostles' message, not the, the letter that was sent. So he receives not the apostles' word. He's standing against the apostles, John, in a num probably a number of matters, but certainly about this idea of helping those that John has sent to go through and bring the good news. What's it say in verse 10? It goes, So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, prating against me with evil words and not content with that. He refuses to welcome the brethren also stops those who want to welcome them and puts them out of the church. So John says he's going to face this man, he wants to face this man face to face with the charges, questions if you will. He wants to hear what this man has to say. Now pratting uh, against us, there again the us is first person, first person plural. I mean, he is defying the apostolic uh, command here, the apostolic teaching. What's pratting mean? It means talking nonsense. It means evil and empty words, pernicious words, uh, uh, you know, etc. So mostly, though, it means talking nonsense. In other words, if these words, what his argument was, was false, was baseless. Okay. And Theotrophilus has, uh, as, as we say in, today in our word, he's got some explaining to do when the apostle comes. And I imagine, um, we don't know how that turned out, but I, I'm sure he, he, he understood what the truth of the situation really was about. Now, verse 11, he says to Gaius, imitate, imitate not that which is evil. Okay, well, what's evil? Evil is things that are useless to their intended purpose. That's the best definition you can have. They're useless. They're not serving their intended purpose. Things of that sort. Fits very good with empty words, doesn't it? Do good. Imitate the goodness of the Savior. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, um, first verse, I think, Imitate me as I imitate the Lord. We should be able to say that of ourselves to someone else that we're responsible for. Imitate me as I imitate the Lord. And he that does evil has not seen God. What's that mean? Has not seen God. With his eyes? No, it's not what it means. But see, there's, there's, there's a sight. Uh, the, the sight we have our eyes is wonderful. It does great things for us. But believe me, there's a better, even better ways to see things. Has seen, it says. Has seen not. Really, in this context, according to the Greek, it really means has no relationship with the Father and His Son. And that's evidenced by, evidenced 
his actions toward the apostles, instructions and teachings. You see, he's put himself away from the Lord in these actions. And friends, we got a, a hundred centuries after centuries after centuries of Christendom ignoring, despising, changing, and absolutely obliterating the apostolic message for the people. So what does that bring? It brings that idea of no relationship with the Father and His Son. That's a sad place to be. And what we're trying to do in our teaching here and, and wherever we uh, broadcast and, and do, do the work of the Lord, we're trying to make sure that this is not the condition that we find ourselves in. We want to be obedient to the apostolic message. The, uh, uh, not only the message, but all there is to do with the apostolic precepts, if you will. Now, Gaius to receive Demetrius. Now we have a new, new person involved here. Verse 12 through 14. Demetrius has testimony from everyone. <laughs> that would be opposed to the other man, right? Yes. Demetrius now has testimony from everyone. And from the truth itself, that would be from God. I testify to him too. And you know my testimony is true. How do they know the apostle's testimony is true? Because he had been with Jesus. He had seen Jesus. He had touched Jesus. He had heard him. He lived with him. And now, right, and now he had as an apostle the very mind of Christ. So when he says, my testimony is true, and you should know it, and he did, did know it, I think I know it, and I believe that. And because of that, I don't doubt it. I have no doubt in that area. Let's go on for verse 13 and 14. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk together face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friend, every one of them. Troy, very friendly closing, right? But Demetrius had a good reputation amongst the assembly, everywhere he went. And from the apostles also. And their testimony is true because they had, as Alex said, the very mind of Christ. Besides the commission to be the witnesses for Christ and into all the world. John was planning to visit, but he hoped it would be shortly. Okay? He hoped it would be soon so he could speak face to face. And by the way, the idea of shortly, John knew what shortly meant here. You know something? He also knew what shortly meant when he wrote Revelation. Think about that. The word means the same. Now, the last thing I'd like to talk about, the use of the word friends here reminds me of when Jesus said to the apostles uh, that would be the apostle, you are my friends now 
John, John 15. John 15, verse 12. Great section of scripture through here. Here's what Jesus said, and and this phrase is in here. Speaking to the apostles to be, this is my commandment that you love one another, even as I have loved you. See, now that's the command, right? He keeps repeating it. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, Jesus said, if you do the things which I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servants knoweth not what the Lord doeth. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known unto you. And it goes on in that vein. Friends, how could Christendom through the ages ignore the words of the apostle? After reading those verses, I don't understand it. But we don't have to be like that. But simple word, simple word like friends, carries a large meaning. A lot of people say you're my friend, but they wouldn't they have no idea what a friend is. So, you know, it's just something to say. It doesn't mean anything. If someone knows what a friend is and they say that you are my friend, believe me, you have a friend. Someone to depend on. Now I thought about that idea of friend and I want to kind of close with this. C.S. Lewis has a lot of things to say about friendship, uh, as you would imagine. Because a lot to do with Christianity has a lot to do with friendship. But he has a couple little short ones here I want to share with you. If any pleasure on earth, let me start over. Can't read my own writing. Is any pleasure on earth as great as the circle of Christian friends by a fire? You ever been there? I have. That's a wonderful experience. Something you won't forget. It's pleasurable. It usually includes a good meal and good conversation, right? The next thing he said, the next best thing to being wise oneself is to live in the circle of those who are. And in this life, friends, that circle of people that are wise are going to be Christians. That I know for sure. How do I know that? Because I know that that the church is the, the home of all wisdom and knowledge. So if you're part of that, then you are part of this this situation completely. Sit in that circle of friends, your Christian friends, and absorb the, the wisdom that comes from God's word and from the very mind of Christ as we share the apostolic teaching. That's what John's trying to do in his epistles, 1, 2, and 3, is share those apostolic teachings. Teachings and uh, 
attitudes, love, loyalty, faithfulness, truthfulness, and being a friend. So with that, I'll close uh, this message. Hopefully that uh, is a good explanation of 3 John. Um, I've read it many times, but it seems different every time. There's more there. More than those few little verses show. So let's have our song of invitation as we close. Just before our closing prayer. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.